1: Welcome to an edition of Dice Recast on Rotovis Radio, brought to you by our friends over at the Blue Wire Network and our friends over at Underdog Fantasy, your home for best ball and more. Tune in later in the show to get your 100% deposit match with our secret code. You'll never guess what it is. All right. Let's start off the show. Um, This has been bubbling over the last few weeks. Uh, He was, you know, uh, inactive uh, the previous week due to his Twitter spat slash just inactivity at practice, and then he played this week and did a whole lot of nothing as the team's wide receiver five, even with Corey Davis not available due to injury. Elijah Moore, uh, second-round pick of the New York Jets in the 2021 NFL Draft. Um, We are not at the—we're like recording it currently at 10.30 Central Time on Tuesday, so there is a chance by the time you're hearing this that he has been traded, but it seems like they they have put their foot down, and honestly, to— From an NFL perspective, I think it's a good idea for them to put their foot down. Uh, Because I think that you can't just have players just be like, yeah, your quarterback sucks, I want to leave. Because then every team with bad quarterbacks, like, the Bears wouldn't have any wide receivers because everyone would have been like, Justin Fields sucks last year. Um, But anyways, Elijah Moore projected to still be with the Jets by the time you're listening to this. Um, Dan, does Elijah Moore stay on the Jets for the 2023 week one?
2: Uh, No, he's he's definitely moved in the offseason at some point. I I just don't think that they're going to allow him to push his way out right now. I think there's a better chance he just sits and remains like a healthy scratch all year and the Jets just improve their draft pick because there's absolutely no way that they're going to try to continue with this, whatever this five and three or however, whatever their record is. That's not sustainable. Their offensive line is in shambles. Zach Wilson's hideous. Uh, they lose Brees Hall, which was the driving factor of that offense. So I think they either allow Elijah Moore to dress and then just don't use him, or he's a healthy scratch for a while. Uh, I would be surprised if they trade him because, like you said, it, it they're trying to put their foot down, and they it, these teams can't just let players dictate whatever the hell happens. Otherwise, like you said, any team that isn't, you know, contender or above par or have a strong offense they're just never gonna have players, so um, I guess good on the jets for once here to to kind of put their foot down, and uh it sucks because I think Elijah Moore is really talented uh he's just in a weird place right now, and that's not that's not good for short term, potentially not good for long term so it's kind of a weird spot, hopefully. He can either figure it out in New York or, you know, maybe they do him a solid and trade him. But I, I don't I don't think either one of those things is good.
1: Now, going to the dynasty sphere here, I, I this is where I would have him. I'm curious to see where, where you I think that he's stuck in the worth less than a first, more than a second zone. Um, and then once we get to the off season, like I would probably end up trading like a one ten to one 12 for him if, and when he gets traded. But I think at this exact stage, it's hard to give up a first for him. So what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think if you're convinced he is, I don't know, I don't, I don't think he's an elite talent. I, I think we can all agree that he isn't an elite talent, but he is very good when, when he's performing and he's on the field. I think he's in that 110 to like 204 range. It just really depends on, A, your personal feelings on him, but B, the owner that has him. If the owner that has him is the guy that drafted him and it was that pick where it was like, well, I guess I'll just take Elijah Moore because he's what's left, you could probably get him for that that early mid two, But I, I think in most cases at this point, you're probably going to have to give... The one twelve, or or the two hundred one, and maybe a three hundred one, or, or something like that. Something in in that area where it it's just slightly more than a two. Uh, like you said, I mean the, the in between the one and the two is is probably accurate. I just I think you you probably will have to pay just more uh, than than a second, and probably have to get into that first that that one ten to one twelve to really acquire him, which I don't think is a crazy. Cost of acquisition. Yeah, we've got some good quarterbacks coming in. None of them are going to be at 110. Yeah, we've got some good running backs coming in. None of them are going to be at 110. I think the you know the top six to eight players in the incoming class is where the value's at. So anything beyond that, if you can get that big time first value, even though that's not really big time, I think you'd be more you'd be better off going after like a performing veteran running back with a pick like that than you would Elijah Moore, unless you're punting.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that with Elijah Moore, we're talking about like a more of a player-to-player perspective. You're looking at the Michael Meyer. You're looking at basically another day-two wide receiver. So the real, real question is, do you have faith in the day-two wide receiver from 2021, or do you want to take a stab at the one from 2023? I don't blame you if you're like, I don't want to deal with Elijah Moore until he gets traded. I'll, I'll pay. I think that it makes sense to wait to pay the premium we talk about that sometimes that like you know you'll bite the bullet on paying a little bit more later just to have a little bit more information and I think that's where I'm at with Elijah Moore just because in the scenario where he doesn't get traded even if he repairs this relationship he's the wire receiver two in New York he doesn't have a shot at, at surpassing Garrett Wilson so that that's where I would be with Elijah Moore that I would be value him as an NFL wire receiver two which, which kind of puts him at
2: you know, dynasty wide receiver three at best. And I would feel better about that if Zach Wilson didn't suck. If Zach Wilson was a a capable quarterback, if Zach Wilson was Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins, who could support two wide receivers potentially. Well, we know Kirk can. We've, We've seen, you know, Derek Carr do it as well. But if it was somebody that I felt confident enough in that they could support two wide receivers, I would be fine with Garrett Wilson being the one and him being the two. I think he needs to go somewhere where they have a capable quarterback and he can still be the wide receiver, two in Ooh. whatever NFL offense that is. And I think there's some wide receiver cores where he's pretty well above their wide receiver one. You know, you put him in New York with the Giants. He put him on the other side of the town. Uh, uh, I mean, he would be the wide receiver one in, in, on the Giants right now pretty easily. The Baltimore sure. Ravens M- are somebody M- that could use him. Most
1: most wide receivers in the NFL would be the wide receivers. <laughs> right, <the> right. York- <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, there's there's plenty of teams that could use him. It's the, is this really a, you know, the as the Jets wanted to put it, a mental issue? Or is this Elijah Moore just flat out being pissed? He's not being used in the offense. And to be honest, I think it's closer to him just being pissed than it is having some form of like mental instability. Uh, This this doesn't seem at all like Antonio Brown to me. This feels like someone very disgruntled that he was promised the world and given like a napkin or something.
1: Yeah. And to wrap up, I will say if I have Elijah Moore anywhere and I'm offered a first, I'm just going to take it.
2: Yeah, I I, I'm
1: absolutely fine with regretting it and him being more valuable than the one eleven this time in July or whatever. Um, But yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll take any first. Um, Moving on to Jacoby Brissett. He has had a solid season, the Browns of three and five. They've had some heartbreaking losses. um, The Cleveland Browns have had, you know, not crazy for Cleveland Browns to have heartbreaking losses (laughs) happens every year. Um, The bigger story here, and obviously it's more of a mild story. But in Superflex Dynasty, it's all about who has a starting NFL job. Now, Joey Brissett will not be a starting NFL quarterback in 2022 once we get into week 12, I think it is, week 12 or 13. But the question is, has his play in 2022 where, you know, he's had some nice games. He's put the, you know, the Browns on his back. He has two games above 20 PPR points. He's had basically above, you know, 15 in nearly every game. Um Obviously, I know that's not a huge indicator in terms of the future, but I'm saying Brissette has played well enough to be considered, you know, on that fringe, like you know, guy who's going to get his job lost to a eventual rookie status. Um, so, do you see Jacoby Brissette starting Week One, 2023, for an
2: organization? I mean, there's there's always that chance, right? I, we've we've seen we've seen him do either really bad in places or really well in places. And, and he's played well in,
1: with all the circumstances around him. He's played very well in Cleveland.
2: And see, so yeah, I I would love to say yeah, it's Jacoby, but he's got a top three offensive line in front of him. He's got Nick Chubb. He's got the resurgence of Amari Cooper. Donovan Peoples Jones has been looking pretty good. Uh, and you've got one of the one of the better defenses, I think, as well. So it's kind of a tough one to say it's been Jacoby. More than it's been no, it, his no, it, surrounding it, it, pieces.
1: I, I'm not by any means saying that the the Browns have won games because of Jacoby Brissett. I'm saying entering the season, it was how many games is Brissett going to lose for the Browns? Oh, sure. And I, I don't think that's necessarily been the case.
2: Well, see, for me, I, I think this is kind of what we would expect from Jacoby Brissett. I, I feel yeah. like he's always been the, he, he's like your better than a second, worse than a first. He's he's better than a backup, but worse than a starter kind of guy for me. Like he, he absolutely can fill in. He can go wherever. Um, he's not going to have those crazy Brian Fitzpatrick weeks, but he's also not going to go out and just flat out lose you games. So, I mean, if, if somebody needs that bridge quarterback, I I don't know why you wouldn't go to Jacoby Brissett. but I also think that Cleveland might be pretty interested in keeping him as a backup to Deshaun Watson, just in case. (laughs) Now, uh, who knows what's going to go on there once Deshaun's back. It it still sounds like there's cases being added every once in a while. Uh, so I would fear not having someone capable of retaking the offense over in case something were to happen to Sean Watson, but yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think that he could, will he probably, probably not, but what happens if Tom Brady retires and they don't get in one of the good quarterbacks? What happens if if uh, the Colts aren't able to get into one of the good young quarterbacks and they and they need somebody that isn't Sam Ellinger or you know Matt Ryan or whatever? There there's opportunity absolutely. Um, it, it's just hard to place him right now without sure. without actually seeing kind of what the the forecast is for quarterbacks. So I would say he remains a Cleveland Brown, but he definitely could start. And I think he's worth rostering and stashing.
1: Right. The, the, the dynasty slant here is, don't cut Jacoby Brissett in week 13. Um, and I think that that could probably be on the minds of some dynasty managers being like, you know, is he, and he very much could end up being a, a roster clogger type player, but I, I think that he's worth, uh, you know, clogging on your roster, at least temporarily. If if we get to week one and, and he's not a starter and he's, you know, clearly behind Deshaun Watson, then maybe it's like, okay, it's only in deeper leagues that you roster him. But for the most part, I would keep Brissett on your dynasty rosters, even past the Watson, you know, on suspension. Or end of suspension. And I Um, would
2: say if if you are in a shallow league and you have Brissett and he becomes expendable in that week and you don't really have the space to keep him, go look for one of the teams that only has two quarterbacks or, or doesn't have three starter types. They just have some guy that started a game one time and they kept him. Because go go look around before you drop him to see if you can send him anywhere for any kind of pick, because that's just free value for you. But you, you probably gonna have to target the teams that either a have Deshaun Watson, which usually handcuffing your quarterback in a shallow league doesn't make any sense and you shouldn't do it. But some people are weird and they want to have those positions locked up. So uh, I would go look for the teams that don't have three quarterbacks on their roster, assuming this is super flex. Obviously, if it's one quarterback, you can drop him. Um, yeah, absolutely. You could drop him now if you <laughs> if you wanted to. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if it's a two quarterback league, you, you go chase around, look for some value to get something for free, essentially, because you you probably are going to have to drop him unless it's a deep, uh, if it's a deep league, then you can hang on to him for as long as you want.
1: All right, let's move on to Tony Pollard. Uh, Tony Pollard has shown to be a very good NFL running back, perhaps even a starter level NFL running back in the games that he has started, um, scoring 33.7 PPR points in uh, the game against the Bears this week. And he's also been, you know, good in quote-unquote RB2 duty behind Ezekiel Elliott throughout the year. Uh, Jerry Jones uh, swears on the Bible uh, that uh, Ezekiel Elliott is still the starter and will be the starter once healthy and that Tony Pollard being much better than him has never crossed his mind. Um, so what did Tony, Tony Pollard do to Jerry Jones' wife?
2: <laughs> well, see, here's the deal. I don't think any any craziness is happening. I, I get that everybody's like, oh, but Zeke is – like, I'm not disagreeing that Zeke is washed. He does not look like the Ezekiel Elliott that we once knew. However, Tony Pollard did all of this with almost identical usage as he's had all year. He's one of those players that, yes, he, he to me is more than flash in a pan, but less than like starterable for an NFL team. He had 14 carries for 130 yards. I mean, you break off a couple of big ones. You're essentially Saquon Barkley. And then he only caught one pass. So his usage, yeah, he had 15 touches. But that's kind of where he's at all year when Zeke plays. He has the the 10 to 12 to 15 touch games. And if he breaks one off, it's a good game. I don't think, A, I don't think he is sustainable with 25 touches, and B, they're not going to do it because they owe Zeke a bajillion dollars and Jerry Jones loves him. So I I think Tony Pollard stays in his role and continues to thrive. And yeah, he's the RB1B in the offense because they, they are just going to continue to start Zeke. But that doesn't really change anything. And I I, I just think with more touches, becomes, he becomes less efficient. He probably gets tired, gets more banged up. I love that they're using him this way because that's probably where he's suited best. But that
1: what, what this actually means though, is how good he's played. I believe he's in a contract here this year. And so he's going to play his way out of RB two money. And to where the point, like he's going to play his way into like a Lamar Miller type deal where, you know, he was the RB two before and he, and he becomes the RB one in an offense. Um, so what are the, our dynasty thoughts there that, you know, He's going to leave the Cowboys offense
2: presumably for a worse offense, but he's going to be the RB one. So what are our future thoughts for him there? See, and that's the part I don't love. I mean, the the Cowboys have been mild. I would say this is kind of the first week where they really looked kind of how we would expect them to look um, with or without Ezekiel Elliott. And I don't want to put him into a place where they have very little talent no quarterback play and now all of a sudden he's they're smashing him into the line 20 times a game and targeting him four times and he's just getting killed. Uh that to me does not sound enjoyable. I think he is a great piece of a committee back. I don't think he's a he's a Bell Cow type uh, and I think he thrives in that role. I, I, I just to, uh, Dallas if they can make the money work, which they can't because they A overpaid Zeke and B oh, now Odac Bajillion. Uh, plus the Michael Gallup signing, the whole deal. So he's essentially gone unless he just truly loves being there and and whatever, which great on him if he's going to do the hometown discount. This day and age, there really isn't a hometown discount. He's probably going to be gone, and it's probably not going to be positive unless he goes to Kansas City. Now, if he goes to Kansas City, (sighs) Nathan— We could be doing. We might be doing the dance. If, like, no, if he if he goes to Kansas
1: to City, he's gonna be like out touched by his, Isaiah Pacheco.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, because Isaiah Pacheco is terrible. Uh, yeah, I, I he I think he moves on. Uh, I just there's very few places where he upgrades. You know, and you know, even if you think of a place like Tennessee with Derrick Henry and trying to spell him a little bit, I don't love Tony Pollard in that kind of offense. I, I, I he needs to be in a in a in a kind of an ex- more explosive offense like this. And if not, you know, sure. We chase volume, but at the same time, it'd be a hell of a lot less efficient.
1: Speaking of chasing volume, it's a really good idea. If you're going to go to underdog fantasy, well, I have two good ideas, two good ideas. Um, first, good idea. If you're going to go to underdog fantasy, it's a great place to go. It's one of the best places to play fantasy football. Um, might be the best place, you know, as, as I'm reading this ad underdog fantasy if you use promo code, first idea, use promo code ROTOVIZ, you're have 100% deposit match, 100% deposit match, and that is going to get you, if you get $100, it turns $100 into $200. It's that easy. And so that's your first good idea. And the second good idea, chase that volume. Volume is what hits those overs, and if you see guys that aren't going to get the volume, chase those
2: unders. Dan,
1: what can you tell us about
2: $100? Well... We talk about him every week. Underdog, you know that we love you. I have fun playing on Underdog on the app every single week. We're doing pickems, doing the three-man drafts, the six-man drafts, the, uh, just all the different fun games. They have all of the sports you could want to bet on and play safely, might I add. And like Nathan said, on your first deposit, you get a 100% deposit match up to $100. So you create your account, get logged in, You throw some money on your books, and all of a sudden your money doubles up to a hundred dollars. So if you 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 put in fifty, hey, all of a sudden it's a hundred bucks. You put in a hundred, now you get two hundred, and guess what? You get to just play more. There's so many different games, so many opportunities. All of the pick'em parlays, like I like to call the the pick'em parlays. That's probably my favorite bit now. I was in love with all the best ball drafts, all of that fun stuff in the off season, but now in season. I I enjoy with doing all of the pick'em games, all of the over unders. You, 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 I mean, you're essentially building yourself a big parlay to hit up to 20x on your money. So, I uh, whether we're sponsored or not, I'll be continuing to play on Underdog for the foreseeable future because it is truly that much fun. So again, promo code R O T O V I Z. That's Rotoviz. 100% deposit match up to $100. Underdog.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, let's go into the Carolina Panthers. Uh, if, if you had PJ Walker saving the Carolina Panthers weapons <laughs> on your bingo card, um, you won because uh, he has brought to life DJ Moore, brought to life uh, De- Deontay Foreman, and to an extent Chuba Hubbard, you know, the previous week with the Buccaneers. Um, we're going to talk about more Moore and Foreman, though, for today. Uh, DJ Moore, over the last couple weeks, has gone from absolutely useless to 19-point we can get the Bucks and 27.5 week can this 70-yard touchdown against the Atlanta Falcons. So, you know, I'm a big DJ Moore advocate, and so I'm all aboard the DJ Moore train. How worried should I be that P.J. Walker is probably not the starter for the foreseeable future for DJ Moore?
2: Well, it should be, again, keyword should, that should be a good thing. Uh, P.J. Walker has played well uh, over his last couple. And, you know, we, we I think we kind of have seen flashes of that from P.J. Walker in the past, but... We're we're actually getting to see it now in an offense that that yeah, even minus Christian McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson has some weapons to look good. Terrace Marshall comes alive. Dante Foreman is looking like the running back we thought he was gonna be forty-seven years ago when he was drafted. And it it's kind of all being pieced together slowly but surely and I, I think the more impressive performance is the one against the Bucs because even though they're banged up that defense is still uh much stronger than essentially anybody that they've played this year and then they obviously play atlanta and atlanta is that weird team that's just always good enough to piss you off but not good enough to win enough games to be you know <laughs> you know one of the contenders but uh a big game from from dj that is what we've been chasing what we've been hoping for the targets look to be a little bit more consistent now as the year kind of has gone on. Started slow with Baker, it got you know, slightly better, I think, over time. But now we're we're in a consistent spot. We just need to see better targets, more consistent. You know, the the targets, like I said, are are more consistent in in volume, but we need to see them just better in 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 value. And you know, the the big game for him is is you know the six for one fifty two and a tutty. That's fun. That's what we've been chasing. I I don't think that part of it's sustainable, but there's no reason to think he's not going to catch six to eight balls for 80 to 100 yards, essentially from here on out, assuming that they don't get absolutely steamrolled by somebody.
1: Yeah, and the interesting one for me, obviously, more he's a top 12 to 16 nice wide receiver, and that really hasn't changed much in my opinion. Eventually, the Panthers are going to get a quarterback, I guess. Um, It's not Baker, it seems like. It's not Darnold. It's probably going to be a 2023 rookie. You know, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, hopefully not Will Levis for the, you know, Panthers fans' okay. sake. Mike, um, question slash concern. So Chuba Hubbard was out the week of the Falcons game. Chuba Hubbard was the RB1 in the Buccaneers game. And while Foreman did more with his 15 carries for 118 and then two catches – uh for twenty-seven, he did more with his touches, but he was the one that was considered the RB two and got a lot of his his touches in quote unquote garbage time. So the question to you does does this twenty-six for one eighteen and three touchdown performance does this put him in the, the driver's seat to be the RB one uh, and have Hubbard quote unquote lose his job to injury?
2: I think in the worst case scenario for Dante Foreman, this is just going to put it at like an even split right away. And they end up going hot hand or just basically flat out giving the starting role to whoever performs better. And Chuba never really has been that guy. He had a couple of good games last year, but this year he's been very quiet. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey was still there while he was healthy. And then last week, he started well. I mean, he had nine for 63 and a touchdown, uh, caught a couple of balls, but it's it's going to be, I, I don't, I mean, obviously neither one of these guys is locked in. Hey, you know, they don't have that Christian McCaffrey value to the Panthers. They're, they'd probably not be doing themselves any favors if they just didn't go hot hand or at the very least split touches for these guys. And then, you know, who whoever, whoever is performing better, they just kind of stick with. So I I would probably feel more comfortable about putting my eggs in the Foreman basket if they didn't already have some success with Chuba Hubbard. So to me, I I honestly think either one of them is is probably fine having. The issue may become that it isn't even split, and neither one of them gets enough volume to be as valuable as a starting running back position should be. Uh, Whereas in most places, you'll have a 1A and 1B. This could just end up being an RB1 and an RB1, (laughs) and neither one of them break off.
1: Yeah, and I I think that Foreman probably does have the the slight leg up because he does have more of the, like, rb1 build rb1 prototype you know all all those different things either way um in in like like if you're if you're rebuilding or if you're in the middle of the pack and you have foreman trade him for any second um if you're competing and you want to get you know an rb i would i would be fine trading a late second for him right now um just because i'm a little bit more confident in him taking that role than, than i am hubbard um Yeah, that's where I'm at with with Foreman. Let's go on to the Ravens tight ends. Uh, So Mark Andrews went out early in the Buccaneers game, and Isaiah likely did the things that we were expecting of him after his gigantic preseason. So is this good or bad news that it seems like likely is very much dependent on an Andrews injury in order to be relevant?
2: See, I I don't think so. I think Baltimore, they target the tight end position more than anyone in the league, including the Kansas City Chiefs, who have Travis Kelsey. And obviously, Mark Andrews is up there as well. But uh, even without Andrews, they're still targeting the tight end position because that's the way their offense is built. They want to run two tight end sets. If you have two guys that can move, like Andrews and Likely, whether one of them is healthy or both of them are healthy, uh, that's a problem. That That's a real problem. Because then you keep Bateman on the outside, you still have a Devin DuVernay, you know, in the slot, or, and he might even be playing outside as well. It doesn't matter who the running back is. You still have Lamar Jackson. That's a problem for teams. So uh, I think there's an outside chance that Isaiah likely is here to stay. The, the bigger issue is, is he going to get the meaningful targets where – we're looking at red zone targets, or is he just going to be kind of the, you know, the, he gets the dump off throws that Andrews doesn't get. I, I see a lot of potential in Isaiah likely. I think he can be very good. He's got exactly what we want in our tight ends, but you have Mark Andrews in the way. So I think, you know, maybe adjust the, the hopes a little bit. tweak tweak them down just a tiny, tiny little bit for Isaiah likely because of Mark Andrews. But, I I, st- I just think we were going to see a lot more two tight end sets there than maybe we would have had they not gotten him on the field and seen what he's able to do. And I know that he he played okay in an early, I think it was week two. He had a few targets as well. Um, and then coming back this week with the, the Andrews injury, he, I mean, just stepped right in and all of a sudden he's a tight end one again. So both of yep. these guys can have value. Andrews obviously has the bulk of it, but if likely continues to play well, We might see the first-ever offense that can support two tight ends since the New England Patriots did it with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, and this has the looks of that to me.
1: Yeah, and I I think that my stance on likely right now is that he is two things. He's an elite tight end handcuff, um, and he is still a best ball asset. That his, His value has increased in best ball. He's shown that he can be a target in that Ravens offense. I just don't see a world where... At this stage, you're starting Isaiah Likely in a you know a seasonal league when Mark Andrews is healthy. So that's where I'm I'm at. He's a, a handcuff and seasonal and he's a, a solid, you know, tight end to NFL tight end to dynasty tight end three type asset in in fantasy. Um let's do our weekly Kyle Pitts check-in. <laughs> Definitely uh by far his best game of the season. Um 21 PPR, 21.5 uh you know, tight end premium fantasy points. Uh, nine targets a season high. I did talk about this when when we talked about the games where it seems like they're going to be you know higher volume, it's going to be more indicative of a good Kyle Pitts game. Um, I'm not sure if we saw the Falcons Panthers being one of the biggest shootouts of the season of the of the week, but it was. Um, and then the biggest thing that from a Kyle Pitts perspective and it maybe it's just hopefully gets Arthur Smith to smarten up a little bit, Getting Kyle Pitts in space, there was that one big play where he got Kyle Pitts in space and saw what he can do and shows why he was the number four overall pick, shows why he's the top dynasty tight end, yada, yada. Um, It's just the question is how consistent are those opportunities going to be there because the Falcons like to run the ball so much and also they're just not an aggressive football team.
2: Yeah, I mean, his season so far is just... I mean, essentially duplicating his season last year. Obviously, the yardage and the catches were were a little bit more, you know, consistent last year. But you also had uh, a pre-dead or just dying Matt Ryan versus Marcus Mariota, who uh, has been much better on his legs than he has with his arm, but he's still been fine. But if you look back at the game logs, if you look back at, at what it looked like, Kyle Pitts really only had a few good games last year. He's only going to have a few good games this year. It's just, it it seems so volatile, not only at the position, but the player himself, where either he's not in the game plan, the opposing defense takes him away, or the quarterback's just not looking. And I think at some point, all three of those are true throughout the season, sometimes all in one game, when Kyle Pitts only ends up with two targets or three targets and has one catch or three catches for nine yards. You just, you're clearly not game planning him to that point. He ends up being the second read or the third read or the dump off or whatever it is. And last year he seemed to be schemed into it a little bit more. So like you said, get him in space. Hopefully we see them realizing that, Hey, this guy is still good because he is no one ever said he wasn't going to be good. The issue was Atlanta and, I don't see it becoming more consistent until either that offense has a complete facelift or, I mean, what's going to end up happening is we'll just have to start seeing eight to nine to ten targets weekly before we realize, hey, they they finally figured it out. At this point, I don't see that. Uh, He's had three essentially high target games. He had seven in week one, eight in week three, and then nine this week. Everything else has been three or four. And last year, it was kind of the same. He had eight in his first week. Nine week, four, ten week, five, uh, eight week, six. Kind of went on a slump for the remainder of the season where he would get seven targets here and there, but really only had one big game for the rest of the season. So um, volatility is a big part of why Kyle Pitts probably isn't that guy. But seeing him do it when they get him the ball, it's like... uh, He is the guy, but he isn't because Atlanta isn't letting him be the guy. But when he gets the ball in the right places, he is.
1: All right, let's wrap up the show with Travis ETN. He had a good island game, if you can call it that. In London, in the, in the 930 East slot, he had 20.9 PPR points in against the Giants in Week 7. That was kind of the, the Jaguars resting James Robinson in preparation to trade. Now James Robinson has been traded. He has 25 PPR points with 24 carries for 156 and a touchdown. And now people are trying to uh, slot him into possibly being the RB1. We talked about him being an RB1 last week. Now he's the RB1 for some people. Um, I love Travis Etienne. I think he's going to be a you know top five running back for the next three or four years. Um, I'm not sure I have him over Jonathan Taylor quite yet. Um, but what are your thoughts on Etienne the last couple weeks?
2: Well, he, he's he's moving up quickly. Uh, I, I don't think there's any arguing that he, he's got a good young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Offense is getting better around him. Uh, obviously, we'd still like to see them bring in a marquee type. Uh, wide receiver, rather than relying on Christian Kirk and and the rest of the bums that they have, but it, it seems to be working from an offensive output stance. These guys are are scoring fantasy points. They may not be the best team in the league, but they're scoring fantasy points. So that's what we're here to do, and that's also what Travis Etienne apparently is here to do. So I I know, that, yeah, we we talked about it last week. I, I mean, he's top three, and. It's who are those three and in what order. I'm not sure I could argue against any of those top three to five guys being the RB1 overall. I, I, they might just all be a pick a name out of a hat type of deal. I think I think if if Jonathan Taylor had the receiving prowess, uh, you know, Naeem Hines has been an issue. It sounds like the teams are looking to trade for him right now but he's with or without 90 minds has not been good catching the ball. And he hasn't had the volume of doing it as well. I think if he had that consistent volume when, and he had that true, true bell cow status of not only getting every single carry, but getting up some of the targets that go to the RB position, Jonathan Taylor would absolutely no doubt in my mind be the RB one, but you have Kenneth Walker who has been seemingly cons- well, consistent in a, revitalized, rejuvenated Seattle Seahawks offense. And now you have Travis Etienne, who comes... This is essentially his rookie season. Didn't get to play last year due to injury. Trevor Lawrence has continued to take those steps forward. Still isn't Clemson Trevor Lawrence. But this this almost looks better than Clemson Travis Etienne. He looks powerful. He looks just as shifty, if not more shifty. I'm getting a lot of, like, Reggie Bush-type vibes from Travis Etienne. And in this day and age... That is the guy you want. So from a pure eyeball standpoint, I think I'm putting Travis Etienne right there, but I don't want to put a stamp on it quite yet. I think, I think we need, and if there was ever a statement game, it's probably that one against Denver. However, they flew overseas the whole bit. I I, I get it, but putting up 24 for 156 on Denver who hadn't really, I, I don't think had been allowing a whole lot of anything on the ground. Uh, this year, at least not like that. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, caller me surprised. Color, I, I, it was a great game for him. And mm-hmm. I think if anything was going to launch him into that top spot, it's probably a game like that.
1: Absolutely. All right. That should wrap us up for today. Any last words, Dan?
2: Uh, go buy those second contract running backs if you're contending. They are not going to get. Uh, well if you have trade deadlines which you shouldn't because that's dumb uh, they're not gonna get any any cheaper
1: righty that should wrap us up for this today and we will talk to you guys next week good.